Hey, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Agency Nation radio podcast brought to you by the Big Eye and Trusted Choice. I'm your guest host for the festivities today in this part two of our special double episode talking about resilience and growth. Our guests for this double episode are Michelle Rupp and Mark Ahart. If you missed the first part of the episode, go ahead and uh, look back in the catalog and grab that first one. You can listen here if you want to, but you might as well start with part one and then come back to us here in part two. So uh, part one, we talked about resilience and rising in a recession. We talked about hard market and the people on our teams landmines and agency culture and brand identity and what that means to our guest here michelle and mark in part two of where we are right now it is all about practical methods for growth we're going to talk about systems and processes and workflows we're going to talk about efficiency flexibility technology all those buzzwords it's so stocked full of buzzwords you just can't shake a stick at it as we say down here in the south so um for those of you that are not listening to episode one uh michelle and mark why don't you give us a brief intro and then we're just going to jump right into the questions i'll go fat really fast michelle rupp agency owner in seattle washington half and half personal lines commercial been at it for many a moon same thing, family agency, uh, Mark Ahart here. Have uh, my partner, Jill Roth and I bought it from my father and my uncle who bought it from my grandfather. So keeping it within the agency or within the family and, uh, and we try to keep it within the, uh, the family style within the agency too. Awesome. And I failed to do this myself. I'm not nearly as important as these two wonderful guests here, uh, James Jenkins. I'm the CEO and founder of Risk Well, uh, an office in McKinney, Texas. Been doing this for about four years, not nearly as long as my uh, distinguished guest here. I owned a farmer's agency, don't hold that against me, uh, for about six years and found my way to the independent channel uh, back in 2019. Uh, here in about two weeks to celebrate my 10th anniversary in the industry, uh, you don't have to send a gift or anything, just a high five would be good enough for me so um let's go ahead and jump right into the deep end and, and go after a meaty question it takes some time if you need to explain uh your process here and go ahead and, and both of you uh answer this one michelle we'll start with you i'd love to hear your approach to the process the core process something that's foundational to how your office does things how do you establish a process how do you get people on board with following it how do you update a process when something is tired or stale? What's your take on all that? Well, I'm a process junkie and I actually discovered uh, Deming in the day and I hired somebody from Boeing who brought um, quality to us. And so we at one point documented every single one of our processes. It was a little nutty. I would never do that again, but it was very informative because we could really see where we had places. And we, in the manufacturing world, they call things defects. Everyone freaked over the word defects. So we have something called opportunities for improvement, OFIs. So when we see any, the, the thing about process is we know, we start with the idea that every single person wants to be perfect. The reality is every person that's working with clients or do anything, they wanna be competent and they wanna be, so they want to have, and the process allows them to do that. And any time that we have a quote unquote opportunity for improvement, also known as a defect or a mistake, we do a deep dive. How did this happen? 
what can we do differently? Why is, where in the process allowed this to happen? Not that somebody made a mistake. It's the process, not the people. So we're really focused on process. And because we've been remote for 10, I think 12 years, process was critical and it really did help us. We thrived during the pandemic because we were already remote. It wasn't, we didn't even, we did not even skip a beat because we'd already done it, but it was painful getting there. And I think, first of all, we talked in the first episode about the right people in the right place. You have to have a value, a bunch of people that are all in it together. Because if you have any people that are, and we've got all had them, where somebody doesn't want to do it this way, they have their own way. It just doesn't work. In our culture, it does not work. I have actually, um, I guess I will have to say fired really good producers because they wouldn't document. I mean, uh, done. They thought I was nuts. But to me, what I have achieved now with my group is because everybody wants things to be done in a very specific way. Yeah, uh, and I couldn't agree more with Michelle. Um, I think a lot of the processing starts with the onboarding. I mean, again, we've been fortunate enough um, the silver lining, like Michelle had referred to earlier um, with the pandemic, is that we lost um, some good employees. But um, silver lining is we were able to find some younger talent and some staff that we can um, that we could really kind of mold and gel into how we want to operate. And I think the I think the onboarding is a great start and beginning um, to really show the new employees how you want to um, how your process should should flow how your workflow should go, how your um, how your daily life should go uh, within the office. So uh, I think the onboarding is a big part of it. And then we, yeah, internally we have, um, you know, we break out our, our departments. We also do, you know, um, probably 50-50 uh, personal lines and commercial lines. And we break out our departments so that we have weekly meetings, um, talk about, we always have teams open up. So anytime anybody has any questions or um or any issues we you know can talk internally to one another if we're not in the same office or if we're working remotely at the time um but yeah we we um i think that just are able to find you know follow that process that um just working together is uh, is just a big key to it one of the things that i we can discovered... jump into sorry oh, go I, ahead sorry I'm michelle just go determined for it. To, i'm determined to interrupt you aren't i james <laughs> no, that's um, fine go ahead what you got? Process is a high, when you're really working on process, it's a high trust environment. You have to have a high trust. People have to have the confidence to say, this went wrong. And it's not something that we discover through the back door, but something that they bring forward and say, look, this is, this is going on. And I think back to a discussion we had last episode about getting the right people in the right seats is we have, a, we talk about this a lot. You can't make turkeys fly. So everyone knows that I am not going to be the most detailed person. I can be if I focus on it, but it's not going to be my predilection. So they're like, people bug me to get things, these right things done. And I appreciate it. They're the detail people, but they're also not the necessarily the ones that are going to see a bigger picture. So having the right people in the right seats and then having everybody trust one another and trust themselves that when they bring something forward, it is an opportunity for improvement that, and I actually paid people for these for a while. I was giving everyone five bucks if they brought it forward and it became kind of a, a game. And that just made people think about how it is that we can look for opportunities to improve our processes because it really 
really, that is such a great way to weather a recession when you are really hyper-efficient around what you're doing with your clients. It is critical in my opinion. When it comes to the subject of process, I think there's really three things that I wanna bring out here. The first is it's so essential. And you can get away with not having great processes for a while if you're really, really strong at sales and marketing, if you've got great people that operate at a high level, but at a certain point, and it might take a year or two for a scratch agent, at a certain point, the cracks are going to show and you're going to find that different people do things in a slightly different way. Maybe it's the file folders in your, uh, whether it's Google Drive or Microsoft or whatever, there's slight differences in the way that files are stored or the way that uh, the names of, of subcategories are created for new clients. It, it might be something as simple as uh, the way that a file name itself is, or what do we save and where do we save it and how do we do certain things? You know, I'm not even talking about the sales process because if you got a problem with your sales process, we have a whole different problem going on here. There's a much bigger thing at play. Uh, the operation side of things is just so essential. It, it reminds me of when you go into a pet store, and you know, the, the cage where all the hamsters are. Uh, you walk up to it, and if you if you stand right next to the cage, they all freak out, and they all go in 12 different directions at the same time. If you're not careful, your office, your team could very easily start looking like a hamster cage where each individual is just doing their own thing and has no care or concern for any sort of standard practice. Um, I, I challenge you, the next time you're in a pet store, you're gonna go find the hamsters <laughs> now that we said that, because gosh, they're cute, let's be real. Uh, the, the second thing is how difficult it is to create process on your own. One of the best secrets that I know uh, for getting that done faster is a tool called Tango.us. Tango.us, I'm not an investor. I don't have any stake in whether you use them or not. It's a free utility that's built into your Chrome browser. They also have a desktop version for a small fee. I forget what it was. We got the desktop one because it's so stinking useful. But Tango helps you build a process literally from, from whatever you're already doing. You hit the little record button and then go about your business, you know, whether it's a quote or storing a file, whatever's happening on your screen. And then it creates a PDF document based on your activity. You can go in there and grab screenshots and change titles on pages. Tango.us, check it out. It's one of my cool. favorite tools for process creation. And the last thing I'm going to say on this Sorry, I've got a lot here. I'm kind of known as the process guy in the circles that uh, that I, I run in. The, the third thing is it is so critical to have buy-in from every member of the team. So rather than fight people on this stuff and convince them of why my processes are the best, because let's be honest, I don't have any sort of corner on the market for great ideas in my office. And you out there, uh, if you're a team member out there listening, you're like, yeah, I've got great ideas. My agency principal should definitely listen to me. And if you're honest and you're an agency principal listening to this episode, you better be saying, hey, people in my office have great things to contribute to the team. Uh, that's just that's just good business right there. Because yeah, I think I think Michelle did nail that on the head earlier, too. With she absolutely having, did. Yeah, having that open book, you know, family oriented thing is that, I mean, you really, the agency owners really need to listen to their employees. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, the processes you think are as an agency owner is, you know, is the right way. And, it's not always the right way. And there are some better ways that you're not aware of. So I think that open book and what you're relaying to there, James, as well as employees sometimes have better ideas. So, yeah, I love it, man. Invite them to the conversation. 
you want to you want to foster buy-in from your team invite them to co-create the rules that they're later held accountable for if there's a co-creation that happens you, you think if someone came up with the process they're more likely to follow it and i, I think the second question that I, I have with my team is not how are you currently doing it it's it's challenging them to think how should we be doing it this thing that you're responsible for with your role and responsibilities on the team What's the ideal way for us to do this as a team and challenge them to maybe adjust their process a little bit as they're documenting it. So um, I'm going to move on now to the next question here, Mark, I'll start with you on this one. When you look at the technology landscape of your office, and I know that technology, God bless the big eye and, and Chris Klein and the agents council for technology, all the great stuff that they're doing. The big eye and trusted choice are so big on technology. Uh, I, I know that's something that all of us really care about. When you think about technology in your office, the, the combination of great human performance and great utilization of technology, what does that mean for you uh, when it comes to efficiency and profitability and this whole process thing? Yeah, I think, again, I think the pandemic made us be a little bit more technology advanced um, with the work from home. Now, I mean, we were a brick and mortar through and through business and um, now allow flexibility time to be able to work from home and be able to operate from home. So, um, you know, having the cloud-based services to be able to operate from different locations rather than inside the office, um, the social media aspect, you know, I'll give props to my, my sister and partner, Jill Roth. She uh, really promotes the business and the, and the branding for our agency through social media. Um, that's, you know, one of the great free advertising avenues that I think a lot of people don't take enough advantage of. Um, we even find clients through technology and through social media. I think not enough people utilize the social media aspect um, and, and just making people aware, you know, letting them remember who you are and what you do and the services you provide. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, technology is, we, we, I remember back in the day, my dad used to tell me the rating, they used to have to pull out the old rating sheets and find the, you know, have to figure out what the rate was based on the class code and the, the rate and the, on the piece of paper that ISO had provided to you. But, um, you know, with what the carriers that we align ourselves with are able to provide to us, what the big guys able to provide to us with, and, um, and I think that, you know, the cloud-based stuff that we're able to do and, um, and the software we're able to utilize, I think it's, it's important, it's vital for your agency. Technology is everything, period. And for us, as I said, we've been remote for a long time. What we do is, um, well, we're on, we're talking all the time. I mean, we use Teams and we've tried all different things. We were remote when it was almost impossible. We would go on Skype and half, you, half the staff couldn't hear each other. It was terrible, but we persevered um, when tech people wouldn't even, were laughing at me about cloud-based. But now we meet quarterly. We're going to Mexico at the end of February for a week. Uh, we spend half the day goofing around the other half. Just, I mean, we were in the pool talking about new uh, markets one year. I mean, it's just, we have a lot of fun with it and we can do it anywhere. As long as we have an internet connection, we are completely dialed in. And it really, really is everything. And part of the process, I mean, there is no way we could do what we do, do without technology. And um, I'm constantly trying, you know, looking around to see if there's some better way. InsureTech alleged, you know, a lot of stuff that I've tried fails. You just have to keep trying until you find stuff that works for your agency, 
the process that works for your agency, but technology is where it is at, period. Can't do it without it. I love it. I have nothing to add to that. You both really covered the bases there. Now, I'm going to have this kind of an open-ended last question here for this second part of our special double episode on Agency Nation Radio. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Michelle. And the topic of, this kind of puts everything together for these whole two episodes in, in making sure that things happen the right way. I'm asking about accountability. When you find something is wrong, when a mistake was made, when a process just isn't working, when a piece of technology is not achieving its desired outcome, and there's that word, outcomes, not goals. I know that's super important to you, Michelle. How do you apply accountability in an effective way that is encouraging and uplifting to your team and not just heavy handed? Yes. I've and, and, had let me, some let me, let me qualify. Oh, sorry. Not just your team, vendors too. Because it's not just an yes. internal accountability, it's also yes. an external accountability. Go ahead, sorry. Absolutely. Well, one of the things, this is kind of goes back to, this was a family business too. And I was thinking about, we were talking about the Department of Revenue yesterday in our meeting. And I was saying, they just do such a bad job of making you wrong. And my mom was our collector in the day. And she always approached anyone that was late pay with, oh, I'm sure you've, I am sure that you have overlooked this. Something has gone astray. You have not received our emails, whatever it was. She was 100% effective with collections because she came at it with not making people wrong. And that is the way I approach my staff. It's like, okay, what happened here? You know, recently I heard through the grapevine more or less that something had happened and someone was afraid to bring it to me. And that wasn't because of the way I work with them. They were ashamed, you know, they were ashamed of what happened. And I just spend time probing. Now tell me, can you tell me why this happened? Let's talk about how this happened. And sometimes they don't know. So it's a lot for me, it's just a really probing question to go, how can this not happen again? I don't want you to live with a with a thing like this again. I don't want you to live with the stress of having this happen because you know that that's not the best you can do for a client and you're ashamed about it. Now I don't necessarily say that, but it I take the time and sometimes it's a series of conversations so that people can breathe into it, feel better and then they can move forward with a sense of empowerment instead of a sense of, oh my gosh, I'm going to hide my head. Um, it is a process. It's something that I've learned over the years about asking questions as opposed to telling. So that way people can come to things with and feel supported in a growth mode because we are a learning organization to us and the back to the opportunities for improvement. If when these things happen, if people feel not always because we're human and some days we're feeling like very strong about how we go forward and sometimes we're not and particularly now that we're going into a recession there's a lot of stress personally for people all kinds of ways so to really listen carefully and i have to have my act together i have to make sure i meditate in the morning again we've talked about i tend to talk because i'm entrepreneurial and that's what i do and i'm a salesperson so i have to turn it off and start listening that's the big piece for me with staff and making sure they feel supported. Yeah, Michelle said um, stress and trying to eliminate stress. I don't, I don't know if you can in insurance. I think they kind of go hand in hand at times. Um, it, it's you know, 
it's a great, it's a great for staff. It's a great teaching lesson um, for accountability. Um, it's you know, I, I think I've said it. I say it weekly is that you learn something new every day in insurance, um, and that's I mean, as an agency owner, I mean, how can you expect anything different from your employees as well? So, um, so it's it's a great teaching moment, I think, and you have to anticipate that they're going to make mistakes. You have to confront them and go over them, review them, figure out how they're not going to do that again, uh, make sure that they correct the mistake quickly, um, and that they notify whomever it may be that they, you know, whether it be customer or or, or company. Um, but it's it's a it's a learning um, moment for you, and um, I think if if we've had issues in the past where you know if it continues to happen over and over again, sometimes you have to put them on some kind of probation. Uh, we've had to do that with uh, with an employer too, and say you know listen, we've we've talked about this two, three, four, five, six, seven times, and so we have to we have to make sure that we get it correct. And, and if we don't, then we're going to have to do this or do that. I mean, I want to give you ideas, but. Um, but I think, I mean, as far as accountability goes, I think it should be a great teaching moment. Um, and you talk about vendors too. Um, I think you align yourself. And when I, when I think vendors, I think, you know, our companies that we represent, and I'd like to think that they have the same values and morals that we do. And it gets difficult at times during like these hard markets when they, um, you get a lot more no's <laughs> and it, it, it makes it challenging as an agent, as a, as an employee, as a producer. Um, and so, um, they always, they come to you at the beach, you know, January right now, we're all getting it as an agency owner, you know, here are your goals, here are the, here's the amount of business I want you to place with our, with our company this year. So I think aligning yourself with those companies that will listen to you, that will agree to accommodate you in certain situations, uh, I think is important as well, um, rather than trying to place business with a carrier that doesn't really have the same values as you. Definitely I'm going to add one more thing. Once again, James, to make a three that I've interrupted you is I model pointing out my mistakes and my shortcomings. I talk about, oh, look at this happened because I didn't reach out for help. I was trying to do this myself when I could have passed it on to somebody who could have gotten it done. And we talk about trading ickies in our agency where so you have something that's got an emotional charge. It's really a nothing burger, but then you hand it off to someone who's like done in five minutes. So we, so to me, modeling myself about my own process allows people to also feel good about thinking about how they their processes are too. I think it's really important to do that. I, I gotta say, I love your energy, Michelle. From Ickies to Nothing Burgers, it's, I imagine your team has a lot of fun with you as a boss. Now, when I think about the subject of accountability, it really starts at the beginning for me. Uh, it's so much easier to provide fair and equitable accountability when we have really clearly defined expectations, roles, responsibilities with standard operating procedures are installed and practiced across the organization. It's so much easier to hold people accountable when everybody's clear on what we're doing, uh, the desired outcomes and, and whatnot. Uh, I, I think it is so important uh, that we as, as leaders, as executives, are mindful of expectation and how we communicate our expectations. One of the things that we talk about uh, at, at Riskwell is the rule of, of three uh, being the best as far as direct reports. I don't want any more than three direct reports for anybody on my org chart. If there's more than three direct Perfect. reports, 
I think there's just an opportunity for neglect. Uh, there's an opportunity mm-hmm. for people to feel overwhelmed and then they're not providing the appropriate uh, coaching, the appropriate encouragement uh, and, and discipling to the people uh, that are down them on the org chart. For me personally, I have exactly two people that I personally am responsible for on the org chart and everything else comes through those two people. So much of what I hear about as an executive comes through those two people. And a lot of times it comes down to, hey, you know what? It's not my role to provide that accountability. I need to empower someone else on the team. And maybe it's something as simple as going to someone who's my downline on the org chart and exercising discipline as the founder, as the executive and going, hey, something has come to my attention. Would you check into that for me, please? And empowering that team member to provide the accountability themselves. There's nothing more, uh, not emasculating in a masculine feminine sense, but there's nothing more debilitating than to have someone skip someone on the org chart because then the person who got skipped feels like, well, hey, wait a second. That was my job to provide accountability. Why is the boss mm-hmm. coming in here and skipping me on the org chart and talking to my uh, my direct report? It's like, do mm-hmm. you, does my boss not trust me? So I think mm-hmm. exercising discretion and discipline as the executive, as a founder, as a C-suite member, it's really important when it comes to, to accountability. Have you communicated expectations clearly? Is everyone on the same page? Do we have very clearly defined standard operating procedures, roles and responsibilities? Are you able to be fair and equitable in the way that you hold your people accountable? Okay, cool. Let's get after it. If not, you got some work to do. So as we wrap up, any last thoughts here, Michelle or Mark? I'd love anything that you want to get out before we go. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's hard to insure. Like I said earlier, insurance is not a tangible product. So it's not a sexy thing to sell. So trying to really remind your employees and it usually don't have to remind them, but usually having to um, let them know that you're helping people that you, I mean, go out and, and learn a new business, figure out what people are doing. You know, when claims happen, making sure that they're covered properly, it's, it, it, it can be a rewarding business and it's, you know, it's a piece of paper that you're selling, but it's actually a lifestyle that you're, you're trying to really sell. So it's, I, I try to really emulate that onto my employees and, and show that love that I, that I have because it's, it really is not a sexy industry, but, um, but it's truly one that I do love. We think it's sexy and that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Michelle. <laughs> Beautifully said, Mark. Oh man. Michelle, any last words? No, that was beautiful. I just, no, I'm going to say one other thing, even though it's a little in the weeds. One of the things you talk about an org chart and our org chart is flipped and our customers are at the top and I'm at the bottom, so to speak, because it's really about supporting everyone and ultimately we're there to support our customers. So that is something that we really live by. That's how it works. I'm supporting everyone as we go up. So I, I that came to mind when you were talking about org charts, but I totally agree with Mark. This is a wonderful business. We just have to you know, keep the faith during these times, the good and the bad. Love it. I can't think of a better way to end this special double episode. Uh, thank you to the big eye and trusted choice for allowing uh, the three of us insurance nerds yes. to, to bring you some good shop talk here. Uh, thank you to Derek and Susie and the communications team at the big eye. It's been a privilege working with them on this special guest host appearance for me uh, for Michelle Ruff and Mark Ahart. I am your guest host, James Jenkins, and this has been another episode of the agency nation radio podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care.